Have you heard of Raise Them Well? It's our company that we started back when I was pregnant with our second son, Hutch, and we couldn't find the supplements and the trustworthy products that we were really looking for for our own family. And so Wiggy and I decided to create our own and Raise Them Well was born. We provide a lot of different products, including vitamins and supplements for your children, really great magnesium products, prenatal vitamins, and more. So make sure you check out RaiseThemWell.com for all of those offerings, especially if you're looking to clean up your family's products in the new year and maybe just get a little bit crunchy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. I'm so excited to be joined today by my friend and my kid's pediatrician, Dr. Nicole Craven, who is an integrative pediatrician. She works with Dr. Wiggy at Robin Hood Integrative Health and offers a breadth of information to her patients and their families. Welcome, Dr. Nicole. Thank you, Emily. It's good to talk to you. It's always great to talk to you as well. So I am just so excited to, to jump in today and we're going to talk about something that I feel like we don't have a ton of focus on and I'm not really sure why in this climate that we're in and that is kids and winter viruses. And yes, we are even going to touch on COVID because it's winter and there is COVID. So um, Nicole, you've been dealing with viruses for many years, long before this pandemic began, correct? <laughs> Absolutely. I would say with sick children, it's what we see most often mm -hmm. for sure. Viruses are super common. There are billions and billions of different types out there. Um, yeah. and it, it's a big part of our training, no doubt. Right. Well, and I think I, and we were talking just before we started recording. I want to touch on this because I'm hearing a lot of stories from inside schools and with fear and anxiety among kids that both parents, because we set the stage and, and other adults, not just parents, but for our kids, there is a lot of fear and shame around, around sickness especially in our kids right now. I mean, I, I, from what I understand in public schools, if you have a headache, then you're sent home because you might have COVID. And we're, in my opinion, moving away from realizing that kids and sicknesses and viruses are a part of childhood. And they are in many ways, opportunities to strengthen our immune systems as we are growing and to create innate immunity to a lot of things that we can ward off better when we're kids than when we're adults. And I'm hoping that we can reframe this idea that sickness is something to be avoided at all costs and that you carry some sort of, you know, deadly plague anytime that you have a runny nose. And so I know you just talked about how there are so many viruses, but like, let's go back and think about how prevalent viruses always have been and how important they can be to help stretch and build our immune systems, especially when we're kids. Am I right? 
Yes, no doubt. <laughs> so prior to COVID, we didn't really fear viruses. Some viruses obviously are more aggressive than others. And if we know their trends and we know what to keep an eye on in terms of how it's affecting the body, then we would treat the symptoms and make sure that the children were supported to get through the illness. But yes, the most important part of it is that you have to see a number of viruses in order to build your own immune strength and your own immune recognition of these things so that you can fight them off in the future. If we all lived in a bubble and we didn't have these viruses and then we all got together, we would exchange all of them and they would start to multiply and be super aggressive and happy and, and really, you know, quite frankly, be, be a problem for us. But when we see them all the time and we face them head on and then we just really treat the symptoms to, um, to increase the comfort level of children getting through them, then we're usually good. But mm -hmm. COVID came along and we were uh, appropriately scared of the virus in the beginning because we weren't sure what it was going to do and we didn't have the science behind it. Now we have a lot more science. We're mm -hmm. years into this, which is crazy. We've got so many different variants that we've seen. Mm -hmm. And luckily the new variant is, is, is quite gentle in comparison to the Delta variant. And um, it seems as though kids are getting through it pretty well. So the fear is what's lingering. We got sure. used to talking about how to avoid this virus, which is usually what we don't do, right? Mm -hmm. We don't try to avoid all of these things. We don't try to spread them either. Like we don't just put everybody in a group that one kid's got, you know, RSV, because we were talking about RSV earlier and just right. say, hey, everybody join in. But at the same time, there are certain viruses like cold viruses, if everybody got all at once, it's, it, it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. So I, I think um, really the most empowering aspect of this talk, I want to say for parents, for children, is that we are thinking of COVID and now other viruses in terms of avoidance and we are scared. And that's not what we need to be doing. We don't need to make it a fear-based situation because we can be very empowered just by boosting the immune system with lifestyle and all these other wonderful elements and herbs and vitamins and, and really make our immune system strong enough to see it as almost nothing. Sure. And let's move into that in a moment, but I do want to, I have two kind of follow-up questions I wanted to ask you. I know that parents are very curious because they ask me a lot. Um, in your clinical experience, you know, you deal with on your, in your consult practice, a lot of kids that maybe do have a lot of underlying conditions and that kind of thing. Are you seeing in your, from your anecdotal clinical experience that kids are faring just fine with the variants of COVID that we're seeing for the most part and that severe illness is very minimal or what are you generally seeing in your population? Yes, uh, we were we were worried about it first, but I'm not anymore. If you look mm -hmm. at the stats, especially with the new variant, mm -hmm. it's you know less than five percent of kids are going to have. Well, let's put it this way: ninety-five percent of kids have a mild to moderate illness when they contact COVID. Mm -hmm. Now that was even in in terms of the science was mostly Delta. That was like when Delta was around the most and Omicron was coming in. So mm. now if we can just get the science up to date with the new variant, it would be even better. 
Yeah. But yeah, like 5% or less end up in the hospital. And so we consider that more of a moderate illness. And then mm-hmm. it, and it, it does anecdotally include all of my kids who, you know, many of my kids have chronic inflammatory illnesses that I'm t- trying to treat. Right. And, um, you know, I have full families come in and say that everybody just passed it around in a couple of days and did okay. And it's just the, the common theme, really. I'm right. not saying everyone does well, of course. I mean, that's sure. not the case because, because it's never the case for any infectious disease, of course. Right. Right. Well, okay. And I, one other follow-up question quickly is, you mentioned um, kind of staying in a bubble and how when that happens, if we were then exposed, that things can kind of explode. Um, I know that we talked, you mentioned RSV. I know that there was a lot of RSV this past summer. That's that's not very common to have RSV in the summer. And it seems like it's kind of stuck around. Is there an argument behind that, that it does have to do with the fact that we were kind of isolated for a long time or... Yeah. Is it, is, I, I'm just wondering what, what your opinion is on why that seems to be happening and why RSV seems to be lingering and kind of aggressive. Yeah, so it's a great example of isolating and um, how it can backfire on us because what happened was in 2020, we had the lowest cases of RSV that we've seen in, in my time. I mean, but gosh, maybe even ever, I don't know. But um pretty much, you know, we were used to RSV spiking in the fall winter season and we, we didn't see that in 2020. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, thought to be because of social isolation and they even put in masking. I don't know that there's science behind that, but that's what some experts have said. Mm-hmm. And then um, in very interestingly in 2021, <laughs> We had that spike that was like the late spring, early summer. We never see RSV spikes during that time of year. So, right. And yeah. I had my, I had two kids that had it. I oh, mean, really? Two yeah, of them? Right. Yeah. One of them, well, one of them I brought to you, but you probably don't remember that. And you helped us out significantly. And that was certainly in the summer. Yeah. Um, I remember wheezing. Yes. Yeah. And it was like, okay, well, this is different and we don't have this usually in the middle of the summer, but anyway, that, that was what I've heard, but I wasn't sure if that's kind of what you'd seen too. So, so the epidemiology behind it is that because the younger kid, the younger kids are, are more high risk. So lower mm-hmm. than age two, especially lower than age one. So the ones that were in that age range didn't get exposed to mm-hmm. RSV in their early, you know, infancy to get any sort of immunity. So again, it's the immune challenge that we need. So they all started getting it once we got everybody back together. Yeah. And so it spiked I, everybody during a time that we kind of got a little more lax with isolation and such. And that was good. It was good that we got to get out and, you know, see nature and see each other and not fear the virus as much. And I think that 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 should have been done, but it did cause a little bit of epidemiological shifts in other viruses. Right. And it's something that we just need to be aware of. Like you said, like your whole premise that this is not, we need to look at how do we best prepare ourselves and our families rather than creating this sense of fear and avoidance, because that's, that's just not the way that viruses work. And I know that we all know of at least one person who has completely isolated themselves and still gotten COVID. And that's what one example, viruses are going to travel. And so 
It's just, we need to be prepared and also not create that sense of fear in our kids because they, they don't have the capacity to deal with that. We don't need them to feel shamed because they've gotten sick either. And so let's move into, um, just, you know, building immunity and then kind of a couple of your top tips on what we can do to, um, handle these, these viruses when they do come into our homes. And I know that you're a huge advocate of starting this conversation with laying that foundation of what we do all the time when we're not sick. Right. Oh yeah. Prevention, prevention, prevention. prevention. Right. And so I'll, that starts with what we're feeding our families, right? Feeding our families, of course. You know, you mm-hmm. can't even, I can't even do a podcast without starting there because it's so important. Well, and I think it's important to do it over and over again because we live in a generation of picky eaters that will only eat white food and that parents have kind of just handed that, just like assume that that's what everybody does. So I guess this is how kids eat. And it's and, because they're exposing now that even like, you know, kids foods that are labeled kids foods that everybody wants, but they don't want all of the other foods are like chicken nuggets, right? That they actually, the companies put extra corn syrup and soybean oil on top mm-hmm. on the outside of the nugget to coat it. So it spikes, spikes your dopamine even more, which is why so that you want chicken nuggets again tomorrow, right? <laughs> right. And only chicken nuggets from that brand, not your homemade ones. So yeah. once you get rid of things like that and you're not messing with the neurotransmitters and the children's brains, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier. So just knowing the science is empowering and like what the food industry does. But um, I will say, I read something that's kind of crazy this morning that um, one of my favorite colleagues is out in um, California and she's very research oriented and she's an integrative pediatrician. And she was saying how when you eat like, like highly refined sugars and for it spikes your blood sugar, you know, when you do so the breads and the processed white, you know, flours and then the extra additives that we just talked about, like corn syrups and donuts and stuff like that. When you eat those for 30 minutes, your white blood cells, which are what we use to fight infection, right? Those are the blood cells that that we use to fight infection. Their defense goes down by half. So by 50% for at least 30 minutes. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but- It's crazy. yeah, it's it's yeah. not it, it's crazy, but it's not because let's look at our little people from a young age and how each family has started and then how that moves into later childhood. And so, you know, I'm of the camp that children should become more adventurous in their eating. And I know it's possible because I've started two of my kids, two plus a half when they were you know, with the baby led weaning and all that. And then I, then I have two kids that I got at a later age in life. They were very addicted to sugar, even the littlest one. And it can change because I watched it happen. My child that used to choke on vegetables now will eat any vegetable that's in front of him. So I always want to encourage parents. And I did an episode a couple months back on tackling picky eating that I think is really useful and empowering because The big message to parents is you buy the food, you get to decide. 
and for yes there are a couple of there are a handful of kids that have significant texture issues and perhaps perhaps really medically diagnosable food aversions and I'm not speaking on that or trying to negate that but for most kids if you lay out those patterns regularly consistently and they know they're not going to win that battle of the wills then they they will eventually explore food in a better way so I'll just yeah, leave that is a very very like slow process mm -hmm. you know where there's one baby baby change you and I've talked about fully restricting them from all of things that they want is never a good idea but saying that we need a variety and that we we try new foods and cooking I you know one thing that boosts the immune system um, tremendously is cooking with herbs and spices. Yes, let's talk about that. Yeah, so it's amazing how beautiful these plants can be for our body because just, you know, all, all the spices, the Italian spices alone, like oregano and basil and rosemary and thyme, they are antimicrobial altogether, like anti-yeast, anti-parasite, antibacterial, antiviral. And so, wow, I mean, that's a pretty pretty crazy great uh ability of one plant to have right yeah. the yeah. question is that they're kind of stronger i mean i adore them but you know mm -hmm. i cook regularly and i've used them regularly for a very long time so you you have to figure out you know what is the predominant taste of all of these and how much can you put into let's say like a sauce that you're making or maybe a roasted chicken that you're doing to give it flavor, but not be overwhelming for the children. And if you start small and they get used to having it in their diet, then when they need to have a little bit extra, when they get the runny nose and the sneezelies, then they don't mind it. The sick kids right. take it. Like you'll give them some nice, healthy broth, maybe with some chicken and rice in it. And if it just happens to also have time, which kills, you know, kills off the virus then it's a fabulous thing and they don't see it as foreign anymore right yeah I, I think that's so important and that's something that we are in our house Wiggy and I in particular are, we are very into flavorful food and even spice and that kind of thing and it's amazing how um our our kids like our little kids will eat they love all the like flavorful peppers and the colors and all of that. And we talk about eating the rainbow and why, and like, not just this is good for you, but tell them why. And if you don't know, learn for yourself. It's very basic. And it's good for all of us to remember why it's important that we're eating all those, you know, the oranges and the purples and the reds and the greens that we actually were talking about this at dinner last night, which is so funny. And we're talking about today. Um, and then, yeah. And, you know, I know that for busy families, cooking with fresh spices isn't always super easy. Would you say that, I know that the dried herbs aren't as potent and great usually, but would you say that they're still beneficial? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's what I use the most. And I, I use a lot of blends, you know, natural ones that don't have a bunch of junk added, but, um, it just makes it easy. I mean, I'll it dump it easy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll dump some seasoning blend into my soup that I put in my instant pot and hit right. the button. Yeah. yeah it's so it's easy. Like, it is easy. Like just a little bit of mild cayenne tastes like paprika. So that's like a red pepper, right? Oh, paprika. And, yeah. My kids love paprika. If you add <laughs> that into anything, let's say you're making, then it actually boosts circulation. 
Mm. circulation in the belly and then throughout the body, then you're able to fight the virus better, obviously. So that's something simple. And then Omicron is um, affecting the stomach more anecdotally. I'm seeing that at least. And so yeah, like cinnamon really work because cinnamon stabilizes the blood sugar and it soothes the belly. And if you add that to something very simple that they're eating, then it really helps them feel better. That's great. So I have a side note. So that that super picky kid that I got when he was four that was really addicted to sugar, he helped me make their breakfast last night, which was made with Mom Sanity's Mom Fuel. And um, he asked me, could we please dump more cinnamon in it? So we did that. (laughs) How cute is he? He's he's pretty cute. He was my helper last night, but um, that's and and that's not hard. Like if you make oatmeal, stir some cinnamon in it. Cinnamon goes good with so many things, right? So yeah, it's yummy. Yeah, great one, great one. What other um, herbs or um, maybe even you know, yeah? What what else would you suggest that as families were prioritizing? So your company, Raise Them All, has an amazing immunity blend because there's so much science behind the trio in it. So I highly recommend that. And we are seeing, I mean, a plethora, a plethora of scientific evidence that supports vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, and vitamin A. So those four (laughs) vitamins are pretty crazy powerful when it comes to being antiviral for different reasons like we're in vitro studies and so that's that means like in a little lab we're studying zinc cellularly it's showing that it actually inhibits the replication of covid virus so what that means if we optimize zinc in our system um, or in the kid's system then that potentially means that it lowers the product um the replication of COVID mm-hmm. virus if they get exposed to it, which wow. is super cool, right? Right, right. Well, and I mean, yeah, I mean, and speaking of replication, um, I know in our house, and I know that a lot of times this needs to be overseen by a doctor. Uh, well, actually, let me back up. With, I don't want to get too far ahead. Um, the brace and well immunity chewable includes vitamin D, vitamin K2, which helps that vitamin D to get funneled to the places it needs to go. And as well as vitamin C and um, zinc. And I always hesitate to say this out loud, but I will say we, we launched that product a year ago, December. And so personally in my family, um, we have for the most part been more well than ever. And my kids have been in in in-person school the whole time. So that's not like, oh, well, it's because no one did anything. Everybody, most people that listen to this podcast know that we've been living life as normal as we possibly can, especially for our kids. And so it's not because they're not exposed. Um, it's been really amazing to watch our family as well as others who have consistently used it and how well everyone has stayed. So I mean, I knew it would be a really great product, but I will say I'm a little, I'm, I'm actually extra impressed and that has nothing to do with the fact that we created it. It's more so that those things really do work when given consistently. So yeah, it's a great combo and it's easy. It's easy it's to big, take it. So that's always a plus. Yes. That chewable is real special. So right, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. it makes know, it. And- 
really easy. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The is, we all know this, I guess, or most people that now that it's just a, like vitamin C is a crazy, beautiful antioxidant. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And, and, you know, COVID, there's always the possibility of developing pneumonia. And there are great studies showing that even, and it's in adults, of course, but IV vitamin C given in the hospitalized adults that have sepsis, which is a bad bacterial infection or have pneumonia, it helps mm-hmm. them tremendously in terms of recovery, the day, number right. of days of recovery. Is that antioxidants, what they do is they basically just um, pull up all of what I call like the debris that happens from inflammation from all mm-hmm. of these different illnesses. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, it's, it's really great how well that works, but sorry, you were going to move on to something else. And I started asking you something and now I don't even remember because that's how my mom brain works. But, um, what, uh, I forget what I was going to say, but what else would you suggest? So those are very good for prevention and for fighting, things off when they're first oh viral replication is what we're talking about I would love for you to touch on silver it is my favorite thing in our house when people (laughs) do come down with sickness and especially for myself so this is just personally if I'm coming down with anything I start taking spoonfuls of silver multiple times a day and it really is helpful for me um I know that like nebulizing silver can be really good for um, certain viruses. I do know that that also needs to kind of be overseen by a physician. So I would love to know with kids, what you like to do with colloidal silver overseen by Dr. Nicole herself. Yes. Yes. Um, it's very important. So pediatricians, just so you know, we hesitate to talk about silver and it's simply because it can be, it can come from an absolutely good source, pure source that the body sees as healing and then it could also be not. <laughs> and so you have to know where you're getting your silver, which is why we always say that it needs to be um, overseen by an MD and also the dosing, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. It is yes. also very safe when done appropriately, very safe. And yeah. yes, it can be nebulized. It can be sprayed in the nose and the, you know, the nasal passage is the number one or one of two of the ways that COVID is, or any other virus, upper respiratory virus, at least likely to enter the body. And so if you can get it, you know, if you can attack it in the nasal passage or even in the mouth where the tonsils are and, and, and kill it before it starts to invade the body, mm-hmm. that is super simple. And it only requires a little bit of silver, like say a teaspoon and you, gar- and you know, this is for the older kids and you gargle, Right. Uh, with it on their tonsils and tonsils, if you look at them, they're big balls in the back of your throat and they have these holes in them that are really deep and they're called crypts. And that's where all of these um, viruses and bacteria can live. So let's say you um, inhale some, you come in contact with some virus and you inhale it and a little bit of it gets into your nasal hairs and a little bit of it tries to lodge on your tonsils then you gargle with silver and you do a nice little nose spray and you've already killed it before it's gotten into the body. It's a beautiful thing. And that's great if there's like a little tickle in the throat or that kind of thing, right? And so what about, would you say, I know for littler kids, when ours are little, we've used, um, we've just used a spray. Um, 
as kind of into the mouth or up into the nose, um, you know, just one or two squirts, which is a very small amount. Um, and I don't, I know that we have, we're not giving any diagnosis, we're not giving any um, prescriptions right now, right? So, but is, is that something that you see working too, just for the, for the kids that it's a little harder to get them to do the gargling? Uh, for the younger kids? Yes. Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah. The spray. Yeah. Yeah. The spray seems, and they, and it, it's tasteless, right? They, they don't mind it. It's not a big deal. It's not like a, you know, a tincture or something like that. Although, like you said earlier, you get kids used to things early and they're fine with it. My kids will easily take a tincture. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, I think yeah. there's a slight minerally taste. But yeah, I agree. The silver, um, just to get to the tonsils, you can do a mix of and this also needs to be made and compounded in a pharmacy <laughs> yeah. but a mix of a teeny weeny bit of hydrogen peroxide with a saline solution and mm -hmm. the percentages of each really matter which is why you want to compound. right right and, and and that doesn't have, i mean it tastes like salt water so that doesn't have much taste that's really really easy to get kids to do yeah yeah and like you said you stop that replication early on minimize the symptoms significantly and hopefully it's also over quickly. So um, what parent doesn't want that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. For me personally, I think I started doing that, you know, gargling with this hydrogen peroxide saline solution a couple mm -hmm. times a day when COVID started. And yeah. I swear by it. I mean, I, I think it saved me. So I mean, I've been exposed to this virus so many times. I think it's saved me so many times. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'm, and I'm sure with seeing kids you're exposed to lots of things all the time so I'm sure that's helpful um yeah that's true well Nicole I know there's so much more that we can get to I want to um not take too much of your time so thank you so much for joining us today um uh, more than anything thank you for helping us be remember to be confident as parents and especially in the way that we are we are modeling for our kids how to respond to sickness and just leaving it on a final note. I don't remember who said where this data comes from, but I think it's from the CDC's website itself. The second most important thing with COVID is fear and anxiety. That's yes, such a big deal. And if I'm we not, have fear, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm no, you're good much more concerned about the mental health of our children mm -hmm. than I am about the COVID virus currently. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And I'm seeing it, you know, time and time again. Um, I walk or run by a local high school almost daily and those are the high schoolers and they might, they've, they've probably been impacted the most from, from this, but it is devastating and makes me want to cry every day because those kids, eyes look so hollow and sad and like these are supposed to be great years for them and they just don't look that way and it just breaks my heart and so let's set an example as parents for how we can approach and how we can prepare and how we can um we can't control things but we can prepare we can be confident that we are as prepared as we can be and that rubs off on our kids, right? So let's just leave it with that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Nicole. I'm always grateful for you spending your valuable time with us and the plethora of information. Yes, and 
Dr. Nicole, if I'm correct, is still taking new patients. At least she might be able to squeeze one in here and there. So if you are local to our area, definitely check her out at Robin Hood Integrative Health. And if you need links with how to find her, I'm happy to share those as well. So thank you, Nicole, for joining us. And we'll see you, you next Emily. time. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.